0: Hello and welcome to the Poetry Exchange. I'm Michael Schaefer. And I'm Fiona Bennett. Lovely to see you, Fee. How are you?
1: I'm all right. Well, I'm not, I'm not brilliant, actually, to be honest. I'm drinking hot Ribena and I've got a cold, but, know. you
0: know, yeah.
1: doing my best.
0: We're coming into that season, Fee. That's what it is.
1: It's time to kick leaves. That's what it is. It's
0: time to kick leaves, yeah. Yeah, very good, mm-hmm. Now, Fee, I must just ask you: you have recently been doing some in-person conversations, some real-life face-to-face exchanges. How was that?
1: Ah, oh, Michael. It. I mean, it's hard to. It's hard to describe everything about It's just such a wonderful, joyful ah reminder of the fullness that a conversation about a poem that's been a friend to somebody can be when you're actually in a shared space together and sitting with the physical body of that poem in the room between you. It is wonderful. And we were at the Birmingham Midland Institute, which is a phenomenal space and history and resource for celebrating all things literature and otherwise, I believe, in the heart of the wonderful city of Birmingham, and um, it was fantastic,
0: yeah. I'm a little bit jealous. I wasn't able to be there for that one. I'm pleased you uh, you had a good time. That's great. Just to say, before we go any further, we will be doing some more live in-person conversations pretty soon. We're going to be at the National Centre for Writing in Norwich on the 29th and the 30th of October. So if you have got a poem that's been a friend to you and you'd like to share it with us, please do get in touch. You can book a slot on our website, thepoetryexchange.co.uk. And if you're in the Norfolk area, uh, I feel like Alan Bartridge now, um, <laughs> please do sign up and, and come and see us. We'd love to meet you and to talk about a poem that's been a friend to you.
1: Oh, yeah, that'd be that would be so great. And we do provide tea and biscuits.
0: We do. Very good quality biscuits, yeah. Now, we are, in fact, going to bring you a, a conversation from the Birmingham Midland Institute as our episode this month. There was uh, just an incredible conversation that, that you had, Fiona, you and John Prebble. I, I don't want to say too much about it, really, because we'll let the episode do the talking for us, but it was one of those where you got in touch with me afterwards and you were like, you need to listen to this one. It's, it's quite a special one, isn't it?
1: it really is as you say Michael I think we we just sort of got to go straight there but it was uh, yeah it was a a life-changing experience for me to be honest um, to be in this conversation so I really hope all our listeners enjoy it and you'll be listening to myself and John Prebble talking about Old Mary by Gwendolyn Brooks the poem that's been a friend to Pete you just read it out for us? Of
2: course. My last defence is the present tense. It little hurts me now to know I shall not go cathedral hunting in Spain, nor cherrying in Michigan or Maine.
1: Gosh, amazing poem, isn't it? Just those six lines.
2: Indeed. I mean, to give you a little context, my, my daughter is three and a half, and mm-hmm. she's, um, she suffers a severe chromosome disorder, um, she's missing one, and it means that she has a wide variety of, of issues. Um, she mm-hmm. can't speak, she can't walk, um, and the last three years have been incredibly hard mm-hmm. on me and my partner. Mm-hmm. And I found a lot of solace in poetry as well. And one thing I said I would do is, I said I'd create a poetry box. So every time I came across a poem that I had that relationship with, or I thought she might have that relationship with at some point in her life, I decided to handwrite it and mm. put it in a box for her.
3: Mm.
2: My, my relationship, I suppose, with this poem is, is twofold. When I first read it, it was a very difficult time for me and my partner and for my daughter, and there was a realisation that our lives as her parents were never going to be what everybody else had and when I first read this, this I sort of realised that there is that sense of loss, mm. that sense of those things, those aspirations, the, the cathedral hunting in Spain, the, the cherrying in Michigan and Maine, those, those purely adventurous activities and joyful activities have somehow been lost, and that the speaker of the poem is, is live it, just having to live in the moment. And they've come to terms with that, that loss. And I started out feeling about this poem that it was an incredibly melancholy poem. And for me, that's how it resonated. It, it understood me. That's, that's how it felt, that the, the speaker of the poem understood what it was to feel like that. But strangely, over time, it my I I, I picked it up and I read it a couple of weeks ago out of the box um as I frequently do I I go back to them now and again and I read it and I I mean we're in a much better place for my daughter now there are I've come to terms with a lot of her 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 disabilities her her abilities on what the future might hold
3: Mm.
2: and I read this and I came to an idea that there is a a joyfulness of living in the moment that actually when you strip away all those pressures of going and swimming with a dolphin or going and seeing the pyramids or doing the things that, the sort of things to do before you die, when you strip all that back and you get back to your last defense, and I thought about that word defense a lot, mm. was it a protective thing or is it the place that you really exist? Is your last defense, your, your, your fortress, your citadel, your, who you actually are And I started thinking about that and and whether this was actually a poem about releasing expectation and releasing all of those things that you feel you may have to do. And then I got to that line, it little hurts me now to know I shall not go because there's that sense of peace. And it resonated with me in a whole new way because I feel very different to how I did when I first came across this poem, when our lives were much more difficult. And I, I hoped one day Ivy is my daughter, that that she would see in this poem, you know, that those difficulties and those expectations are not always something that you have to live up to. That you can live in the present tense and, and live in your your last defence and still be content.
1: Oh Pete. It's incredibly moving to read this poem in the light of your context and, um, and then to hear you speak so eloquently about it. And I think the poem really does hold both, both those ends of the emotional spectrum that you're talking about. And that's one of the kind of geniuses of her, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I go back through it and every, every line makes me think and I, I feel like that is one of the wonders of a poem. Mm. I mean, I, I sit there and I look at that, my last defence, and I think about all the times when I really did feel down to my last defence, and what that actually felt like. And I have I felt it, and I know what it feels like, and I can feel it, I, I know of a very specific example, which I won't necessarily share, but, It was a very specific morning, it was a very specific day, Mm. and it was a very, and you might, for many families who have um, challenging situations, it would probably feel very, very common, you know, this is, but for that particular moment, I, I was at my wit's end, I suppose. But it's also the moment that you start to rebuild. Because actually when you strip it right back to the foundations of, of what strength you have, you start to build new ways of dealing with things. And then I sort of come onto that next line. My, my last defense is the present tense. Because you stop thinking about how am I going to cope with tomorrow? How am I going to cope with next week? How am I going to cope with the months and the years later? Actually, how am I just going to cope right now? And when you start feeling like that, you start building an ability to deal with things. Because if then if you deal with the, the next 10 seconds, then you need to deal with the next 10 minutes, and then you deal with the next hour. And for me, this poem builds out from there. It builds out from that foundation stone, that last defense, into the present tense. And then that sense of, it little hurts me because you're only living in the present It doesn't hurt because all you're dealing with and living in is that present tense. I must admit, I, I didn't know Gwendolyn Brooks. Mm. When, I, when I first came across it, I just saw the name Gwendolyn Brooks and then I, I followed it up. And I found out that her father, um, among the vet, many difficulties she faced in her own personal life, but her father wanted to be a doctor but he gave it up to raise his family, and he was a janitor, which while still a very noble job, and I, I've been a janitor many times, giving up that sense of ambition um, to do what is needed in the here and now, as I was sort of reading a, about mm. her life and, and, mm. and her family life, and it made me think, well, it, was that where some of this came from, that sense of mm. just living in the moment, doing what needs to be done, To the sacrifice of 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 those those other things.
4: It's amazing to me how much your huge journey with the poem and how it's taken on these different meanings and how there's a journey you know there's that journey in the poem even in a way just in those few short lines in the second line my last defense is the present tense and how it's kind of grown from there for you and kind of really turned round in a way. Like it's really turned round yeah. for you, like a whole way of thinking about or approaching what life can be and where you start from maybe.
2: Absolutely, yeah, I mean, you know, my daughter can't speak and and she can't walk and and there's there's many things that she might not be able to do. But taking joy in the little things that she does do, mm. suddenly, it sort of flips that that whole two two lines, mm-hmm. is that my last defence is the present tense because my last defence is actually the little joys in the day. Is if I revel in those and if I, mm-hmm. I if I focus almost in the way that that Gwendolyn Brooks does here, if I focus down onto just those what is it seven words, <laughs> in those two lines, actually it no longer hurts, which is the very next line. You know it. it it little hurts me now to know, because actually what I'm doing is I'm reveling in, in the little things. I don't need those big things that sort of, that, that end the poem, those cathedral huntings, the cherryings, that mm. I don't need those. If I focus on just those seven words, that, those, those last defences, those little parts of the present tense,
1: then it no longer hurts. And the space in the poem is incredible too, isn't it? It's these little these little couplets, and then the space in between them as well. So she's literally giving you that space, isn't she, for that meditation in a sense, or the letting go perhaps to be taking place as well. Mm. You know, there's there's a, there's a lot going on in that white space between the lines. Absolutely.
2: I mean, I, I to be honest, I'd I'd never really thought about the the those spaces. I think. But you're right. I mean, the, even the descriptions of space, sort of cathedral hunting. It's not specific. It, it's it's a journey. It's it's investigative. It's mm-hmm. exploratory um, and cherrying. Mm. The idea of drifting through fields, cherrying. It's so open. Mm. And and to be to be honest, I've never I've never really read those in that way. I've always I've always seen them as quite specific. Actually, as I said before, the sort of 50 things to do before you die, there's actions and activities, and maybe that's because of my relationship with the poem in that I think about the things that my daughter won't be able to do, Mm -hmm. and there's very specific things that perhaps we now find harder because of her difficulties. So I think of very specific examples. Whereas I suppose Brooks here, she's giving you that space to do that Mm -hmm. by not necessarily naming a cathedral or 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 a specific place in Michigan. Or Maine. Mm. these are these are very broad. So yeah, I, I've never really thought about space in this. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Undoubtedly, there's another reading <laughs> that that I'll come back to you in a year with. And, yeah.
1: Uh, Have you shared it with your partner?
2: No, I don't okay. think she's she's um, she's ever read this one. Okay. Um I, I rarely share these yeah. um, with yeah. my partner because I think this is about my relationship with my daughter and 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 our lives. Um and there is I, I suppose there is a, a strangeness to that idea of the poetry box in that she, she can't read and there's a good chance that she will never be able to read sufficiently to to read these and and to have the comprehension of them. Um so why I continue to do it, I I'm in the way that I do it, I, I'm not entirely sure. And maybe there'll be a poem that will that will come around and explain it to me, mm. but I
1: will Continue to do it, but maybe also it's the object as well as the poems. Mm. I mean, in a way, the box mm. will always be present tense. Yeah, it may may not reveal the cathedrals or the cherrying, but the box will be there, and yeah. you will be there in the box. Um, yeah, do they? The ones that are in the box, do you kind of read with the intention of finding one, or or do they kind of come to you? They come to me. I
2: yeah. mean, I, I, in my, in my job and and in my, my personal life, I read a lot of poetry. Right. And every so often, and it goes again. It goes back to my relationship with poetry. Is that when I find something that makes me feel different, or makes me think differently, uh, or, or connects with me the way that this did the first time, and exactly how I'm feeling at that moment, I want to capture that. And sometimes I'm almost. I read it once through my own eyes and I get something from it. And then maybe I, I read it again and I try and read it through her eyes. So the, will, mm. this, will this mean something to her in the future? Or could it, uh, if somebody read it to her, help her understand her place in the universe, her, her, her place that day? So, I mean, I, I can just pick out a random example mm. from the box. Um, I've no idea what this one is. Um, Yes, this is a translated piece. Uh, It was translated by B. Bauman and A. Uh, Thwaite. Tosubi Shigeji um, was the original poet. And the translation goes, I may be silent, but I'm thinking. I may not talk, but don't mistake me for a wall. Um, Right. And when I obviously read that, I I read that very much as, I thought it was incredibly profound Um, and I'm sure it means something to me on some level but I certainly try to read it through the eyes of my daughter and and, and not being able to speak or likely to have very limited speech. Things like that I I hope will resonate with her Mm -hmm. and that she will see that other people understand the idea that being silent doesn't necessarily mean, that she's not thinking and that mm. she's not creating and she's, she's not alive in, in, in that sense of, of being communicative. Mm. Um, so, yeah, to go back to your original question is, I never read solely looking for them. They tend to find me.
3: Mm. Mm.
4: What I'd love to ask about, um, Pete, is uh, to it, find a bit more about your daughter now, really, and um, you talk about those 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 everyday moments of joy and what kind of joy that she does give you and that you do see in her even.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, for example, for an incredibly long time, she doesn't have very good gross motor skills. So, um, just grasping an object, um, lifting and um, reaching, for example, we do an inordinate amount of physiotherapy with her to, to encourage these skills and, and it's very much ongoing. But thinking about going up to her and when she sat on the floor, saying her name and then asking for a cuddle and just having her actually reach up. There was a time where she couldn't even reach up beyond her own shoulders, to have her reach up and, and to want and to understand. Those are the little things in the day that are the little joys and I think that goes back to that the Brooks poem in that those sacrifices those things that you you've given up those hours that we've spent just so she can do those really basic movements that any other child or person might take for granted there were lots of other things that we could have been doing yeah. at the time, and I, I and I have no regrets about any of the time that we have put in. It is absolutely the most important thing in my life, and it is the thing that I hold most dear. Is is doing that, but it little hurts now. Putting all of that time in, there was a time when you were thinking, you know, what, we're going to miss out on so much in life because we're, we're having to do this because of of of, of her of her difficulties. Mm but now I don't see it that way because now I can see the fruits of all of that effort Mm -hmm. and I can see how it's improving her life and those are those little joys Mm -hmm. that I can see every day and that's that sort of present tense that I can live in with those little actions that mean probably more to me than than swimming with dolphins or or going cherrying.
3: Mm -hmm.
4: We always ask one question as we draw to a close um, with the idea of a poem as a friend, how would you describe what kind of a friend this poem is to you?
2: It's like a, a distant friend, a pen pal, I suppose, <laughs> in that they've corresponded with me at one point in my life. Maybe we only write to each other once a year or, or something. I don't feel this is a poem that I, I have that daily connection to. It's coming back to it every so often. And realising that we do have a connection, but that connection grows and changes, and that's okay. I
4: think yeah. we, a pen pal. I don't think the, we've had that before. I don't think we've it's had the pen pal. It's really good. Wonderful. The long,
1: the long-distance pen pal. Yeah, that's yeah, great.
4: Just it's really, really great. Keeping close across the distance. Indeed. Mm. Thank you so much, Pete. Um, My pleasure.
1: I don't know if it, I'm sure you, you have explained, John. But we, one of the things we need to do before we leave is to create. Um, a gift for you, Oh! <laughs> which is that in exchange for, for you telling us about the poem that's been a f- friend to you, we're going to create a recording of the poem. So we'll, we'll create that and we'll send that to you in about a week's time, that's a, a little that's audio kind of, file. Well,
2: and what I will do is I will put it on a USB stick and I will put it in the box. Okay, oh, yeah. okay. So, it, okay. so it, will go, it will go in the box because oh. I think that's, okay. that's very much where it belongs after today. Yeah. Um, and then I, I will always have it, and, uh, and maybe I should do that. Maybe I should do that for all of them.
1: Say some cool. audio recordings. And, nice. uh, and then
2: she will be able to listen to She'll them. She'll
1: be able to hear them. Sounds so. good. Sounds good. Lovely. Gwendolyn Brooks, Old Mary. My last defence. Is the present tense It little hurts me now to know I shall not go Cathedral hunting in Spain Nor cherrying in Michigan or Maine
0: That was Fiona with the gift reading at the end there Uh, Massive thanks to Pete for allowing us to use this conversation and to the Gwendolyn Brooks estate for giving us permission to use this phenomenal poem. Fee, you were saying to me earlier that uh, she was actually incredibly prolific. To my shame, I'd never heard of Gwendolyn Brooks. Phenomenal poet,
1: prolific, uh, a lifetime as a writer and a great journey as a writer, the first black writer to win the Pulitzer Prize. She was also consultant to the Library of Congress, huge representative for black writers and the cause of racial equality and many, many other things. So it's great that we're able to share this poem in Black History Month and indeed every month And indeed there is a Gwendolyn Brooks poem for every month uh, because she was so prolific and they are such extraordinary poems which touch the heart and the mind and the senses in the way that all great poetry does. So yes, I really encourage everyone to to read some more of her work and we'll put some links in the bio.
0: That'd be great, yeah. I'll seek her out. We don't normally sort of... Offer much comment off of the back of the conversations, um, we kind of allow the conversations to speak for themselves, i suppose fee but you know i mean obviously i wasn't at that one, but just listening to it it's um it's quite extraordinary isn't it it's uh, It's one of those where you do go what what a what a privilege to to sort of bear witness to that and to to share in that with Pete and his amazing story
1: absolutely michael, and I think also. A really specific and particular and moving example of the way that poetry is a living force and an active resource in, in our lives. And I think Pete has honoured that in the most extraordinary way.
0: Yeah. We're going to leave it there this month. We'll be back next month with more poems as friends. Until then, thank you for listening.